How's everyone? Blessed? All right. I'm going to need you uh, all to just open your Bibles up really quick and pay attention today. Uh, God has been good. God has been teaching us. Amen, always, someone said. And uh, he is always good. Uh, did I say where? Acts chapter 2. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 42, if you will, please. Acts 2, 42 says, uh, NLT version, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Let me read that again. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you're always speaking to us. We thank that you're so good, God. We thank you so much. I pray for all the hearts. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that you would open our hearts to your word, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, I've been... Uh, I've been sort of uh, meditating on this word for a few months now. Uh, I have the privilege to, to actually pastor a church. Amen? And it's a privilege. It's difficult at times, but uh, it's, it's definitely a blessing, you know? It's, it's kind of like marriage, right? Marriage is awesome. It's a blessing. It's difficult at times, Pancho. And, uh, but it's a blessing, and you have to kind of trust the Lord. You have to have faith. And when God calls you to something, whether it be to be a father, a mother, a husband, wife, or a pastor, or a manager, or whatever God calls you to be, you got to trust him, and you have to have a relationship with him. But what I, what I like about this, though, um, and what I'm going to talk about today is just the first line there. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And when I read that, I thought about the devotion that these people had to have for the apostles to teach them. You see, the apostles, they didn't have the Bible like we have it today. They had the, the, the law, they had the Torah, but they didn't have the New Testament. They were actually writing and building the New Testament, well, mostly Paul. But they didn't have a Bible like we have it today. So how the way that they taught was recalling what Jesus taught them. And they would teach it to the people. And I just love how it says that they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. It's important for us to be devoted to the teaching of the church that God has called us to. Amen. Just like they were devoted to that singular church in that time. And I'll show you how other churches began to be built outside of Jerusalem because of Paul and because the Gentiles started coming to Christ. But devotion to the apostles' teaching was so important because growth comes through that devotion. You with me so far? See, when, when someone is devoted to something, they're committed to it, and they're, but not just committed, because you can have commitments and not be happy with those commitments. But what devotion implies, it implies that you're happy with that commitment, so you're devoted to it. No one has to give you money for it. No one has to give you rewards for it. You're just devoted passionately and enthusiastically for that whatever thing might be. Like if a husband is devoted to his wife, it's not based on what, what 
good she did lately or what wrong she did lately is based on the fact that that's your wife. Amen? And that should be your only wife. Hello? Okay. So the church cannot grow if there's no devotion to the teaching of the house. And God wanted that growth to happen. And it even happened forcefully because it had to happen through the Gentiles, which they didn't expect. And they didn't want at, at a time. So God had to explode it through there, even through Paul and through other men of God, explode it through the Gentiles. But it all started because they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. See, before the community started, I talked about this last time, people had to repent of their sins. They say, what, what must we do to be saved? Repent of your sins, get baptized in Jesus for the forgiveness, and be aware of the promise that God has for you. That's what he tells them. And the very next step that the Holy Spirit does and is moving through his people is they have devotion to the teaching of the apostles. And I think that's really important. Because today, we have so many avenues and so many ways that we can hear a preaching. There's multiple things that you can look at YouTube. There's like 30 channels on television. There's apps. There's all kinds of things out there. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You can do that. But you must have devotion to the teaching that's happening in your local home church. If you want that that connection to grow in you. You must have it. Like I said, devotion is commitment, but enthusiastically for something. It produces growth, nourishment, and leading in your life. Look at what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the good news of Christ. That's growth. Nourishment. Like newborn babies, Peter says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you grow up in your salvation. We can grow up in what God has called us to, our salvation. We start, sometimes we, we take baby steps, right? We're, we're babies when we come to Christ. And then we grow up, he says, to desire. That's nourishment. To crave, to desire pure spiritual milk. Amen? And then leading. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet, a light on my path. I love how the people here in the book of Acts naturally, by the Holy Spirit, the unction of the Holy Spirit prompted them to be devoted to the teaching of the apostles. It wasn't someone telling them what to do. It wasn't someone preaching at them what to do. It was the move of the Holy Spirit. I love it because they were innocently following the prompting of the Holy Spirit to commune and get together and listen to the teaching of the apostles and then eat together, pray together, and, and fellowship in the Spirit together. All provided and, and, and all fueled by the Holy Spirit. No one told them anything. Isn't that beautiful? And so they're there, they're devoted, and out of, out of nowhere, uh, the, the, the apostles say, okay, we're doing too much. We're having to, to serve the food and, and, and cook and, and do all of these things. We need some deacons. And they lift up these deacons, and, and, and some of those deacons was, have you heard of Stephen before? 
the martyr, the one that was stoned and saw Jesus Christ standing up as the heavens opened, that was the deacon of the church. Because they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. It's important to be devoted to the teaching of the house so that you can grow. It's not just, it's not, it's, it's not good anymore. Or it is cool, but it's not good just to go to church. You must have devotion for where God has called you to be. I'm telling you this not because of my own personal gain. I, I care for you. And I love you. Some of you I know intimately. Some of you I don't know at all. But nonetheless, the word is important that you hear it. It is important for you. It's cool to go to church and just leave. That's cool nowadays. But it's not good for you. It's not good for you. You need to be devoted to where God has called you to be. As a pastor, I don't need your devotion to my personal life. I don't need your devotion to my personal interest. I don't need, I don't need your devotion to, to my preachings or my teachings. I don't need your devotion at all. What I'm telling you today is that God has provided a home for you and that you need to be devoted to the teaching of the house so that you may grow for your own good, for my own good. When someone else comes and preaches and teaches the word of God, I change my perspective. I don't look at that person and say, okay, let me see where I can fix them or where they are going to fail or, or mess up. I actually sit there with an open heart, an open mind, and I humble myself and I say, Lord, teach me. Teach me whatever you're teaching that person. And it doesn't have to be from the pulpit. I could be sitting having a conversation with someone, and we might learn from each other. You might teach me something, which is okay. A lot of pastors aren't okay with that, just so you know. Alert. But I do desire that you personally grow spiritually. That is my desire for you, that you grow to the, the fullest potential the reason I'm hanging out with you and the reason I'm talking to you and I'm texting you or, or whoever, the reason for that is because I want you to grow. That's my calling over your life. Amen? Amen. I want you to grow in God. I want you to be the disciple of Jesus Christ that he desires you to be. That's my desire for you as the pastor of this house. That's my desire for you, for you to grow spiritually. Now, I titled this message, A Pastor's Letter. The reason I've titled this A Pastor's Letter is because we're going to read Timothy in just a few moments. And Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus. And, and Paul would write to Timothy. There's two letters that he wrote, wrote to Timothy. And he wrote to Titus as well, which was another man of God that God used at another church. And Paul is instructing them on what to do, specifically Timothy for this afternoon. He's instructing them on exactly what they need to do. And so I called it a pastor's letter because Paul is writing a letter to a pastor that he's raising up. And I want to talk to you about that today. 
Because sometimes we misunderstand the job of the pastor. Even I do sometimes. I misunderstand my own role sometimes. We misunderstand the role of the pastor, especially in a growing young church. We misunderstand the job of the pastor. Sometimes we might think the pastor should be my personal everything. He should be my best friend, right? He should be my trainer. Maybe not me, but maybe someone that pastors, right? He, he might be my life coach, make, help me make decisions in life. Maybe he should be the Holy Spirit for me. And the pastor can't have a relationship with God for you. And I may not be there for every life event in your life. I might, I might not be there for every birthday. I might not be there for every anniversary. But I will stand with you in prayer when you need me to. I will stand with you and support you when you need me to. When it counts, I will try my best to be there. But I can't be there every single step of the way. I'm going to go crazy. It's quiet. Pastor can't help you raise your kids. I can't go to your house and raise your kids for you. I can talk to you about God. I can tell you how the father raises kids. I can tell you how he treats me. Pastor can't romance your wife. Oh, no. I have my own wife to romance. Amen? But I can go to your house and talk to you about marriage. I can talk to you about devotion to each other and servanthood to each other. I can do that. That's what God has called me for. And you should know my job description because it benefits you. And you shouldn't expect things that aren't expected from me. <laughs> I can be friendly, which I am. But I'm your pastor first. <clears throat> Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I know, this is hard for me too. Chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. This is my job description. Amen? You shall hold me to it. The board especially. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Are you there? I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. He tells Timothy, preach the word of God, be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But pastor... You should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work. Somebody say work. work. At telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. That's my job description. Amen? It's good. But it's tough. It's a blessing, but I need God's strength, and I need the prayer of the saints to uplift me. Amen? The first thing he says is, preach, pastor. 
Preach in season and out of season. When it's favorable and when it's not. You know, when I used to read this back back in the day, I used to think this was for everyone. And it's not for everyone. This is for Pastor Timothy. And if you have a calling to be a pastor, you should be ready in season and out of season. I can get up on Sunday morning and not want to come. Be tired. Maybe I had a rough night. Right? Nightmares, which I never dream, but just in case. But I got to come and preach the word in season and out of season. Not in an unhealthy way where I'm going to be overloaded and give up and quit. I mean, there's times where there's a feeling in me, an emotion in me, human emotion that says, I don't want to do this. But I let go of my emotions. I put those emotions aside. And I do what God has called me to do. When I feel it and when I don't. When they want to hear and when they don't. When in trial and when not. Preach, Pastor. That's my first job, to preach. Amen? But this means that you have a duty in that as well. Because your duty and your job is to listen to when God is speaking to you and respond and obey. Just like I'm responding and obeying him to preach. Are you with me so far? What's the next thing he says? Be prepared. <laughs> Don't read the Bible, pastor, when it's only time to preach. Come on, somebody. Right? The pastor must be prepared. Do you agree with that? Do you? Amen? Amen. Be prepared. A pastor must read the word, must pray. Not because he has to and it's all, you know, this works thing or this, no, because he's called by God and he has a relationship with God. Not just winging it. You can't build the ministry winging it. You must ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Have to have intimacy with God. This goes for everyone. Have a relationship with God. It's the least you can do, Pastor Timothy. Pastor Mario, it's the least you can do is have a relationship with God. And that God would speak to you so that you may speak to his people. You know, when you're a pastor, your relationship with God takes a little bit of a shift you know, before it was uh, only about me and him. Only, that's it. It's just me and him. We're doing this. Oh, man, I'm having such an awesome relationship. Now you're in the picture. Now God's like, this is going on here. I want you to address this. I want you to talk about this. I want you to encourage them in this way. Blah, 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 blah. You're in it now. Isn't that weird? <laughs> When, when, when it shifts a little, you don't even realize it. It's not like it's unnatural because I have a calling over my life, and so it just, it's natural. It's, it's normal for me. When I'm in the car and God says, hey, this is going on. Some people are comfortable. Remember about two weeks ago? Some people are three. Some people are comfortable, and, and we need to get out of our comfortableness. You're involved. 
And that's part of that preparation. And our ministry at home must be solid. I can't be at home beating my wife, uh, uh, cheating on her, right? And, and just coming and, and then acting like, hey, God bless you, everything, everything's good, normal. And my, my marriage is falling apart, right? That's, that wouldn't be good because then you'd be like, no, that's not good. You got to go, buddy, right? So I, I have to, that's part of my preparation too is taking care of home. Amen? Taking care of home. That's actually my first ministry. And, and if you're a husband here, that's your first ministry. And a wife, if that's your first ministry is your home. And your home first. In the Bible itself, you know, in Timothy as well, in First of Timothy says, how can you take care of the ministry if you can't take care of your home? Amen? Okay, this is my job description. <laughs> Patiently correct. Uh-oh. I think we're going to partner up on this one, I think. I think so. Patiently correct. Make crooked paths straight. Don't let anyone... Believe wrong about God. Don't let anyone believe wrong about themselves in Christ. That's correction. Are you with me? Don't let anyone believe wrong about his word. Believe wrong about his love for you. Believe wrong about his new covenant for your life. Correct, Timothy. Patiently correct them. Correct them. But we don't like correction, I got to say. None of us here like correction. It's not natural for us. Immediately we're like, I want to say something. When your boss says, you, and you're like, but, like, I have a new job, right? I have a new position. And I've been, I've been working in that, in that job. Uh, in, in the company, I've been working there for six years in August. It's going to be six years. It's the longest job I've ever had, Carlos. I know you've been at your job for 245 years. But I've been there. This is the longest job I've ever had, six years in August. I, I've, I haven't felt like six years, honestly. Maybe two or three it's felt like, which is a blessing. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because when I was at the bank, two years felt like 3,000 years. Anyway, but I have a new position, and I have a new boss, but I know what to do already. I know the systems. I know the stuff, the language. I know everything in my head. I know everything, but when the boss comes and tells me, I have to put notes. Every musician has an account, right, and I have to put notes. If I talk to that musician, I have to put notes on their account so that the next person that talks to him sees Oh, okay, Mario talked to him about whatever, right? So my boss comes and says, if you're going to write a note on the musician, send it to me first so I can approve it and then add those notes to the musician. And I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, really? Just to put that, I talked to a musician and he wants direct deposit, 
and we did it. I have to send that to you. In my head, I'm thinking this. But he wants to make sure that it's done the way that he feels is professional. It's, it's the way that he has done it for years. And I have to be okay with that. He's the boss, right? I, I, but naturally, what I'm trying to explain to you, that naturally, when someone tells us that we got to fix something or change something, naturally, we push back. Just natural for us, all of us. You've ever, if you're married, raise your hand if you're married. Okay? Your, your spouse tells you that you did something wrong. The first thing you do is say, you're right, honey. I did do that wrong. You're so right. You're always right. That's the first thing we do, right? No! The first thing we do is, no, but what about you, the thing that you did? Remember, like, oh, you're talking about what I did, but what about what you did before the, what I did? No? It's just me then. It's just me? All right, someone's quiet. <clears throat> but we push back when, when it comes to correction. We push back. And what God is saying to us here, to both of us here, is we have to be okay with being corrected, but it goes back to the devotion. See? That's why it's important to be devoted to the teaching of the house, of the pastor, because then when he corrects you, you're devoted. You're okay. Not because he told you to be devoted, because the Holy Spirit called you. And you have to make that choice. Not me. I'm only, pre I'm only the messenger. What's the next thing he says? <laughs> Rebuke. <laughs> oh, man. I know some of us that grew up in church, this word rebuke is like the worst word for us. Because we use this word to rebuke the devil. So when we see that Apostle Paul tells Timothy to rebuke his people, we're like, oh, wait a minute. That's, that sounds kind of crazy. And then some, actually, and, and the worst thing is that even with correction and rebuke is that some pastors, they actually take it that way and rebuke the people like when they rebuke Satan. But you know what rebuke means? It means to disapprove. That's all it means. It means to disapprove of behaviors or actions. Bless you. That's all it means is to disapprove of behaviors or actions against God and against brothers and sisters. Such things as fornication, adultery, lust, greed, pride, all these things, right, that God doesn't like us to do. But when we're devoted and the pastor says those things, you know, you're okay with them. Because you know that it's from the word anyway. That God disapproves of certain things. God wants us to be better disciples, to grow in him. To be better spouses, employees, and managers. He wants us to be representatives of the kingdom of God. Amen? And that's why Paul tells Timothy, look, patiently correct now, like I said, people have used correction and rebuking 
for controlling and oppression as pastors and leaders. But you don't have to worry about that here. Because I'm not here for my own gain. I'm here to serve the Lord, mighty Jesus Christ. Amen. And in our favorite, Paul tells Timothy, patiently encourage. Encourage. Believe in others. Believe in the potential that others have. Believe in them. Even when they don't believe in themselves. Pastor, you believe in them. Even when they see themselves as as sinners of people that come short, of people that have failed and have flaws, you encourage them and, and bring out what I have placed in them. By the word that you preach, by the word that you teach, encourage the people, Timothy. Pastor, encourage. Lift up the weak. Lift up the sad. Heal the broken and heal the hurting. Encourage them. Bring marriages together by the power of Jesus Christ. Those are miracles. Amen? A good marriage is a miracle nowadays. But it's because God is there. Set the captives free in Jesus' name. Break the chains in Jesus' name. Encourage in Jesus' name. Amen? But you have to be open to all of those things. Correction, disapproval, and encouragement because of your devotion to what God has for you. This is my job description. Written by Apostle Paul. And when I say me, it's me and Cynthia, just so we're clear. Apostle Paul, a father of the faith. A father to Timothy. Pastors should be all these things. But the people should be devoted to his teaching. Hey, listen. We good? I don't have to be your favorite preacher. But I, I, I am called to be your pastor. Amen? Your growth will correlate directly to that devotion. I will never, ever be the ceiling of your growth. May the Lord help me with that. I will never, ever want to be the ceiling of anyone's growth. I want to be the launch pad to your growth. That's what I want. But I, I might miss a birthday. I might, I might miss some event. I might. I might. But, but what God has called me for is this. Now, I'm not trying to miss. I, I actually love hanging around with y'all. But I, I have to do what God has called me to do. My call is to equip you for good works. That you would do exactly what God has called you to do. And that I would be that launching pad. Maybe I won't touch millions of lives, but maybe I can spark someone that will. Amen? All right, let's go back to uh, Timothy as, as we finish here. <clears throat> Good time, too. 
Second Timothy chapter four, verse three. I'm going to talk about itching ears really quick. Just have a couple things to say about that. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. We can't want to hear what we want to hear. We've got to hear what God wants us to hear. What we need to hear from God doesn't always match what we want to hear from God. Sometimes we want to hear a certain word, a certain something from God. We want that, but when he gives us something else, it's probably what we needed. You know, someone told us one time that, that maybe church, and this is someone that's not here, that church can sometimes feel like a waste of time. And I, I understand that statement. From a, from a human perspective, I understand that statement. But when we look at things from a, a heavenly perspective, a, a spiritual perspective, we see that even if you've heard the sermon before, you've heard certain type of sermon before, that if you open your hearts, God may actually have a word for you. And if you come to church you may actually have a word for someone else. And so sometimes we come with itching ears to the church, wanting to hear what we want to hear and not what God is actually saying to us. And we got to let go of that because our Father will always speak to us if we just listen. My call is to hear from God and to speak for him. It's a privilege, but it's a, it, it's, it's, it's a task. It's, you know, it's, it can be burdensome sometimes if I let it. But you must discern if what I'm giving you is from him and obey it if it's from him. You could ask me two questions, and I'm not upset or anything. I'm actually very happy. Yeah. You can't be very happy. I can't be very happy. I'm happy. Man, I got a new job, right? Got a raise. Got an awesome wife. Jesus is good all the time. Amen? Why, can't, why would I be mad? It's hot? Take your shirt off. <laughs> Cool off. Get some ice cream. I don't know. Okay, maybe a smoothie. It's healthier. Sorry, Shirley. But I, I want you to know that I'm coming from a place of care. As a, as a pastor that cares for you, as a father that cares. I'm not coming from any weird place. Timothy is hearing the apostle, his, his father, in the spirit, on what to do with his people. One of the things that he says to him, he says, preach in season and out of season, be prepared, correct, rebuke, encourage. And the version that we read at the end, he says, with good teaching. All of that is done with good teaching. There's some things that, I, that are reserved for the pulpit, and there's some things that are reserved for the office. 
And a pastor needs to understand that's to mix those two. With good teaching, Timothy, pastor, with good teaching, biblical, sound, prepare yourself. Give the pastor time to prepare himself. Amen? With faith, with power. And then finally, verse 5, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work, work, work. Pastors, elders, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Clear mind, long-suffering, work at preaching the good news, fully carry it out. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.